This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank uh, you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Thanks for joining us for the podcast uh, once again today on these Wednesdays. Sean Bolson uh, joining us. And, and I always like to talk the wild with Sean. He's our guy uh, for the wild that, that we visit with about that. And obviously, a, a a big news this week for the Wild. They fire uh, their head coach and move on uh, to another one. It's always a big deal when you change coaches in the middle of the season. I think it maybe happens in hockey more than some other sports, just because sometimes, shut it seems like just changing the lead voice in a room can make a difference for a team. At least that's what general managers hope and what Bill Guerin is banking on with an old friend of his and John Hines. Yeah, it's interesting to see. You know, Everson was doing a good job. Everybody kind of, he kind of fits the mold of your, your, you know, hockey coach. Off the air, you and I were talking, you know, you get the O'Connells, you get some of these other sports that bring in these youngsters, yep. kind of the young, fresh minds. NHL seems to be stuck in the old boys' net, network. It yep. does. Yep. It, 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 you have a bunch of coaches that are all kind of cut of the same breed. This new guy's the same thing. You know, uh, my buddy's kid played for him in uh, Nashville, and, you know, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I don't. I don't from all everything I've read and what I've heard, I mean, this is just kind of another one of the same kind of guys. Yeah, uh, I don't think he's going to blow you away with some new strategy that you know uh, is going to take over the league. It's kind of the old thing. It is a different voice. You know, I mean, yesterday Gustafson played good. They got a three to one win against a, you know, St. Louis team that isn't spectacular and isn't awful. So. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was nice to see Boldy last night get on the board. He's really struggled, um, and so he got one at the end. But, um, yeah, you know, do I think it's going it, to – it could shake things up for a little bit, but I don't think this is going to be anything that's going to overcome the $14 million of uh, cap room that we're getting hit with off the uh, Parisi and Suter deal. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it'll be a change of voice. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, and uh, he wasn't able to get Nashville out of the first round of the playoffs. That's why they fired him, uh, I think, after last season. I, I haven't seen, actually, when the last time he was a head coach uh, someplace. But he's twice been a head coach in the NHL previously, about four years uh, in each job. And now he comes to the Wild. And I, I assume, Sean, then that he's the coach. I mean, they aren't calling him interim. It seems strange to fire your coach one day and really within a matter of hours you have another guy uh, signed. They had to be talking to him before they actually finally fired Everson if that's legal to even do. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I'm sure that was in the works because, mm. you know, then you looked and you, you kind of read between the lines on what he was going to do. You know, um, he, he he's famous for making people earn their time, which, to be honest, I haven't really ever heard a coach that said he wasn't. <laughs> right, um, right. But, you know, Boldy played, I don't think he even got the 13 minutes last night, uh, you know, really talking about making him earn it. And then I saw on some of the, you know, the, oh, well, now, you know, he's earning his 15 minutes. And it, all it is is a change of voice. I don't yeah. think he has anything different. You know, Dean Evison was old school. This guy borders on old school. And he's a different, uh, you know, a different voice in the room. Garen likes him. We've said before, we do think, you know, although he's been handcuffed, we like some of Garen's moves. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I guess we just have to trust in him that a shakeup was needed, and and this is our guy for the foreseeable future. 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of felt like it was coming. Uh, you know, I, obviously, I'm not in the room or anything. I don't, I don't know. It just seemed like he's in his fifth season. NHL coaches seem to have a shelf life that doesn't go yeah. much beyond four years. And it's as much just a fact of changing how things are said almost more than what is being said. Because there's only, you know, it's a finite world. Uh, there's only so many ways. But it's how the coach speaks of the players, and if you can get their attention, they talk about a coach uh, you know, losing his players. Not that they're against him, but they just don't get fired up for him anymore, and their execution isn't as strong. The focus isn't as good. They don't work out as hard uh, between games. Those things all start happening. You have to change the voice in the room, which is what they're doing. You do, and there's, they're, they're strategically... You know, it depends. If you watch the, the St. Louis Blues over the past couple of years, you know, if they got a one- or two-goal lead, they would just lock down the neutral zone and really clog it up. I mean, there are different strategies and different ways to play. Yeah. Um, however, uh, you know, it's the same players. It's uh, You're not going to completely change your entire scheme. So, yeah, it's a new voice, and, and let's hope it can motivate them because, you know, it's fun to watch it win last night. I mean, yeah. I don't, we played almost 20 games. I think that was our sixth win on the year. I mean, it's just been very unimpressive at this point. So yeah. uh, we need something to spark us, and, you know, maybe this can do that. Are you concerned about Kaprizov and his lack of goal scoring so far? No, I, I'm not. Mm. Um, he, when he really starts pressing, he turns puck over, and when he turns puck over, it's a really bad thing because they're not normal turnovers that are just, oh, we gave up possession. He's turning it over, and they're leading the on man rushes the other way. So, you know, I like the fact that, you know, he had a couple points the other night. Um, last night, you know, he wasn't on the board, but, yeah, I mean, he'll be okay. He's a, He is a great bona fide superstar goal scorer, and he'll get back there. Yeah. Um, just going through a little little drought right now, just like Boldy. I mean, he got a second goal of the year last yeah. last night, you know, which has just not been good. But that's the ups and downs. I ride it with my own kid. You know, he, you know, Kate had a couple of years where he was injured and didn't do much, and he's in ten games has more points this year than he had in the last two years. Yeah. The roller coaster in hockey is crazy because you can play some of your best games and you don't get any production. Then all of a sudden you're kind of lackluster on a game. You're behind to play. The puck bounces and you bury it. So. Uh, there is some puck luck. Their skill is just continuing to work hard. And for those reasons, I think Kaprizov's going to be just fine. Yeah, he leads all their forwards in time on ice per game. Only defensemen are averaging more time on the ice than Kaprizov so far. But he also has the worst plus-minus on the team. He's had right. a minus nine uh, for the season. The turnovers, I don't remember him being a turnover machine in, in past years. That's kind of happening. He's losing the puck in the neutral zone a lot this year. Yeah, and especially he's even losing it around the blue line too, yeah. which is really dangerous. You always talk about you can't you can't lose it going into the zone or coming out of your zone and he yeah. has. And you can tell some of that is, you know, he can make the simple play. We have a lot of guys that can make the simple play. What's made him special is he makes a spectacular play. Well those are higher risk. You know yep, yep. you equate it to a, a Brett Favre, you know, you love the fact when he threw thirty touchdowns, but he also threw sixteen picks. Yep. You know, it's the same deal. It's the high risk, high reward. And uh you know, let's not kid ourselves either. He doesn't have the most, you know, whether it's Hartman and Zuccarello or no Rossi. And, you know, they're all getting, to, they're all learning to play together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's, his talent level is higher than the guys on his line. He sees the game a different way, which is what makes him special. So as this continues to improve, I just hope that, you know, he's able to protect the puck a little bit better, uh, continue to, uh, you know, get back on his uh, trend of scoring and, and, you know, really be the offensive leader of the Wild they're looking for him to be. 
You know, they fired uh, Bob Woods, too, one of his top assistants, and he was the guy in charge of defense and penalty kill. And the Wild are, what, second from the bottom in penalty kill percentage uh, in the NHL this year. So uh, a change certainly needed there as well. Yeah, and, you know, with Bogosian coming on and, you know, we got some uh, Maroon, you know, we got some guys that can kill the penalty. I think if you put them in the right scheme, you uh, coach them up correctly, I think our penalty kill can come up. And then let's not kid ourselves. You go to the the back end. Goal t- your goaltender has to be your best penalty killer. Yeah. And up to this point, they haven't been. You know, Gustafson no. gave up one goal on, you know, I don't know, I saw them in the middle of the third, it was like 21, 22 shots, probably ended in the mid-20s. Mm-hmm. And so... You give up one goal and 25 shots, you know, you win. Yeah, that's right. You win those games. You give up, you know, four or five goals, you don't win. Nope. And and that's what we've seen. So, yeah, a combination of mixing up the personnel, mixing up a little bit of scheme, and just getting better goaltender play is what's going to turn this around. Yeah, both Gustafson and Flurry are sub-900 save percentage, which that yeah. isn't winning hockey, that isn't winning numbers. But, you know, maybe this turns Gustafson around after – Last night's game, maybe that's the one that gets him going a little bit. Yeah, hopefully. He looked really good. He looked confident. And, you know, it was exciting to, to uh, hear the crowd, you know, who hasn't been able to celebrate wins at home very much this year. No. You know, that, that does a lot. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, let's talk Vikings a little bit. Uh, yeah. Tough loss for them. Um, you know, uh, a lot of talk, obviously, about Josh Dobbs, and the coach was noncommittal to who would play against the Raiders. But for me, Sean, I wanted to ask you about the final possession defense, once again, for the Vikings. We have Brian Flores, who blitzes more than any defensive coordinator, maybe in NFL history, he's on that kind of a pace. And then he doesn't dial up a single blitz on the last drive. That was a surprise. That was a surprise. Uh, I I was very surprised. Uh, We went back in. You know, we've always talked in Minnesota over the past 10 years, the prevent defense. It prevents you from winning. And that's what we went into. And then I'll even take it one step further. Could have been the the three worst play calls I've ever seen after we caused the field uh, fumble and we could have put the game away. Yep. Um, You know, a simple run on first, run on second, pass on third. You knew they had timeouts. You knew there was a two-minute warning. You needed – I would have come out with some play action, got Fields or uh, Dobbs on the edge, and, you know, try to do a little run pass option. I mean, you just – we essentially said we're going to make you use your two timeouts and then go to the two-minute warning and then punt it, of which our punter hits an awful punt. Shanked it. Yeah. doesn't doesn't pin them deep. And then we go into, I mean, it was everything that, that could have been gone against us. I mean, we don't move the ball. We don't take any time off. Our punt's terrible. And we go into the prevent defense. Yep. You know, it, it, it was just, it, it couldn't have been worse. Yeah. You know, and, and those first two weeks with Dobbs when they won, I thought that Kevin O'Connell was masterful in his ability to coach up a quarterback and and be able to win those two games. But now, after losing two with Dobbs and this most recent one, again, O'Connell got conservative at the end of the game, as you just described in his play calling. And it wasn't just that last drive. He was conservative kind of throughout, maybe because he's concerned about the uh, turnover propensity of, of job uh, Dobbs when he's when he's in the game. But they didn't use his legs at all either. They, we didn't see any play calls. And, and really, that's where Dobbs, I think, has to make his money because he doesn't have the big arm in the NFL. He needs to use his legs, and we didn't see that at all. No, we didn't, and we didn't see much down the middle. When, when he did throw it down the middle, you know, uh, first of all, a couple, couple of the uh, interceptions are definitely on the receivers. 
through the hands, you know, not getting their head around in time. You, you can a couple of them were, were bad on Dobbs, but we're throwing the five yard outs. Our receivers are getting contact. Our offense looked extremely vanilla. There was nothing exciting about it at all. Um, you know, even when he had Hawkinson on that fourth and five and he was short, if you look, Powell was sitting in the slot and Dobbs could have run for it. Yeah. And so just a matter of getting him into positions to see this. But it was uh, it was very lackluster, very unimpressive. And then once he's felt a little life at the end with two big passes to Hawkinson and the touchdown, yeah. you know, then you felt like, okay, the Bears are going to move the ball. Boom, defense comes up with a big stop. Then all of a sudden we quit. Everything on defense that we were doing that was successful throughout yeah. the entire game, let them march down the field and beat us with a walk-off. It just it wasn't a fun game to watch. No. And 12-10. I yeah. mean, if I'm going to take an entire day, go down for an exciting Monday night football game <laughs> right. and witness a 12-10 loss against the lowly Bears team, yeah. I, I'm very glad I didn't go to the game. Yeah, you, you walk out of that lighter in the pockets and not being happy about it, that's for sure, because it's not so cheap to go down there. Now, I'll give you the one interception on Dobbs. The other three were all on him, mainly because of ball placement, I thought. The one yeah. he just kind of threw right to the defensive lineman as he was being sacked can't do that. And the other two was just poor ball placement. Like the one to Hawkinson that you referenced, that fourth down pass. He had other guys. He could have run. But if he places the ball correctly to Hawkinson, uh, your guy, out in front of him, he catches it. Yeah. He turns upfield. He has the first down. So yeah. the, the knock on Dobbs coming out of college, and we still see it, is not a big arm and lack of ball placement in any sort of throws down the field. And, and we really saw that the last two weeks in particular. That is true. We did see that. And, you know, part of what frees him up, you know, we talked about it. Part of what frees Dobbs up is when he runs. You know, the coverage is a little bit. Let's not kid ourselves. If they're not worried about the quarterback running, they're not real worried about our run game. You could say, yeah, we had a couple good runs. We did. But they they didn't have to totally respect Dobbs' legs or our running game. So they're able to really lock up the receivers. When When we're able to... To run it, have Dobbs be a real dual threat. Mm-hmm. You know that loosens the secondary up a little bit because they're not able to just say, "Hey, this is you know right. he's going to throw it ten yards and sh-, you know." So yeah, um, not a good game, not a, not very well executed. Uh, need to get better. Who's the Vikings quarterback against the Raiders in two weeks? Well, I think it's still Dobbs. I yep. do. Yep. Um, but O'Connell well, hasn't committed. Much. That's the crazy thing. He said, "Well, we'll get evaluated." So he's still looking yeah, it over. It may, maybe it's time to look at Hall again. You know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, he. Uh, What's he your goal for the rest of this year? I think plays into it, right? Well, and and you know, we're still as of today, and we're, and we're what half game ahead of Green Bay yeah. wild card. We do have yep. two games with Detroit left. Um, you know, is it time to look at Hall and see what he has, so we know what we have going forward? You know, Dobbs is a very serviceable backup. Yeah. But you know, this just anybody who looks at it and says, "Hey, Cousins isn't our guy." I mean, we we win by three touchdowns with a healthy Kirk Cousins against that Bears team. I mean, it just uh, you know he was playing at a top five quarterback level when he got hurt. Um, right now, we're going down to a. You know, you talk about 18 to 25, you know, that's probably where Dobbs fits in the whole scheme of quarterbacks right now in the league, you know, maybe even 20 to 25. So it's tough to win when you have a, a quarterback in the bottom third of the league. Yeah. I'd like to have Cousins' arm and Dobbs' legs on the Vikings' next quarterback. Uh, so would every NFL team. That's the only way to do that is to get him in the draft. 
So we'll yeah. see what they do with that. Uh, I, I, Sue Ann thinks it's going to be Jaron Hall. I'm with you. I think they stick with Dobbs by the time they finish all their evaluations. Uh, Nick Mullins is the veteran career backup. I think he's 2-11 and 11 in 13 career NFL starts. Now, and, and some of those are with San Francisco, a pretty good organization. Uh, so yeah. he, uh, he, he's, he's not... I don't see any upside at all to going to Mullins. I think it's either got to be continue on with Dobbs to see if you really can coach him up and get on the same page or find out what you have with Hall. I don't think that Mullins is the guy. I think he should just continue to be the backup. Yeah, and Mullins was signed as a career backup. Yep. So I do think your options are the other two. You're going to have J.J. coming back. You got who? You got the Raiders, and then you got uh, a Joe Burrow uh, Bengals Less. team without Joe Burrow. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so, you know, you do have winning games. I uh, just watched the Raiders. You know, they hung in there against the Chiefs on Sunday, but then, you know, they're not a team we should lose to. They are pretty fired up with their new coach, and they're playing for him, and yeah. their, you know, their quarterback and so on. But, um, you know, these are some games that if we're going to make the playoffs and we want to make the playoffs and be, you know, have a chance at doing anything in the playoffs, these yeah. are games that you have to win. If not, if you can't win these next games, well, then you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Right. You do go to the draft and look to build. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Gophers go five and seven. They'll be the only five and seven team that will get a bowl bid, and that's based yeah. on their academic record. So another chance for the Gophers to play some more practices uh, to get in. I think it's a positive for the program to get a bowl game. Do they deserve one? Probably not. But you know, as Mike Grimm explained to me on the podcast last week, it's not about they didn't create bowl games for teams that deserve to go to a bowl game. They created them to make money and make good TV. So the Gophers get their opportunity, but. Ethan Kaliak Manis and uh, their top backup quarterback both entered the transfer portal. So we don't even know who the quarterback's going to be now for the Gophers. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, the Kaliak Manis going to the portal's awesome. I mean, he's, <laughs> to fine, to yeah. be honest, he, he, he's, uh, to me, he's the Miles Tarver. I don't know if you remember him with the uh, Gopher basketball. I thought he was I, the worst yeah. Division One basketball player we've ever had. <laughs> and Kaliak Manis... Uh, is the worst uh, quarterback we've ever had for the Gophers. I yeah. mean, nice kid, easy to listen to in a press conference, yeah. and just accuracy and understanding when to fire the ball and when to place the ball, just had no clue. And so he's. Uh, I would hope we're able to find someone to replace him. I think that's a good thing. But, yeah, now we go into yep. the bowl game, and, and what do you do? I don't. You know, are we down to the third stringer? Or, yep. You know, so yep. – We'll see. You know, that's the new thing with the bowl games. The bowl games are about money. Yep. And with the transfer portal, here these guys are, are heading in the transfer portal. We're going to the bowl game without our, you know, without our full team. So yeah, yeah. not uncommon anymore, but, but kind of disappointing as a fan. Yeah, that's right. Sean, thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Todd. Sean Bolson joining us here on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.